0: Jewish Audio on Chabad.org We are now continuing our study of the laws of Taim Venetian. Actually, we're getting very close to the end of Taim Venetian. Tomorrow we're going to to talk about the laws of Taim Venetian one last time. We'll make a siyum. we'll talk about the last halachas, and then we're going to move forward into the next set of halachas, which is called nachlas, laws of inheritance. But, before we get to that, we're going to review and discuss some of the salient details of these laws, the laws of claims, laws of how and what would create a court situation when one has to respond, what is one required to do as a result of a claim that comes the way, as we have been learning for the last five days. The 308th Shire of Rambam, we're going to revisit Mitzvah Vav, the 246th Mitzvah in the Torah, which talks about the din of Teviniton, remember we talked about the idea of Maidah B'Miktas, so that there has to be a partial admission in order for me, or whoever is being accused of owing money, to have to respond. So, let's go back to our friends Reuven and Shimon. Reuven makes a claim. Shimon says, I owe you nothing. In that case, Reuven is in a very weak position. He cannot demand anything of Shimon. But if Reuven comes along and he says, I have a claim, Shimon says, you have a claim, but not your claim. You claim, I owe you $1,000, I owe you $500, We've discussed this at great length. You're probably getting bored of it already. So here are some final details about this mitzvah and about and about how we would be able to evaluate whether or not the claim is or is not in fact meaningful and effective. Number one, a be mitzas is not chayiv, a person who makes a partial admission, does not in doing so necessitate a response or require an oath Unless he admitted something which you couldn't which you could have denied. So for example, if Rubin comes along and says, You owe me a thousand dollars, Shimon says, I owe you nothing. Well, then Sh- Ruben has no complaint, he has no taina, and Shimon is not required to go to court with him. But if Ruben drags Shimon into the court and says, You owe me a thousand dollars, Shimon responds and says, I owe you some money but not as much as you're saying i owe you 500 100 200 50 dollars whatever it is i owe you something then in that case that's called a maidah be and shimon has now made ruven into a claimant and he has given his claim credibility it doesn't mean it's airtight it doesn't mean that ruven can exact payment it means Reuven can exact a shvuah an oath as we have learned what happens however if Reuven shows up in court with a contract, with a document, the document outlines indebtedness of $500. Reuven says, this fellow Shimon owes me $1,000. 500 of it is documented, and 500 is not documented. But I claim, he says, he owes me $1,000. Shimon responds and he says, as your documentation states... I indeed owe you $500. But that's all. Is that called a Maidebimiktas? Is that called a partial admission? Does Shimon, by admitting that the contract, that the shtar is correct, does Shimon, in doing so, create Ruvain's claim and make it credible and necessitate, as a result, that he should have to make an oath and make a shvur? The answer is no. Why? (laughs) Because when Shimon's admission was not necessary or required, then we say, oh, you know why Shimon responded? Shimon responded because Shimon knows he owes money. He just, as we learned yesterday, he doesn't have the gall, the guts, the chutzpah to just take somebody who did him a favor and just, just push him aside and ignore him altogether. So he figures, I'll get away with the least. He said, you know what? I owe you something, but now what you say I owe you? But in this case, when Shimon admits to owing the $500, he didn't admit really to anything. That five hundred dollars he owed, there's a contract. There's a star. And unless he can prove that the contract is counterfeit, which he can't, let's say. So then in that case, when he admits that the contract is in fact correct, he didn't admit anything. Even if Shimmer were to say, The contract is false, I owe you nothing and says, What are you talking about? Here's the contract. There, there's witnesses, it's 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 sealed, signed and approved. What would the court rule? The court would say, Shimon owes $500. Shimon would say, what do you mean I owe $500? I denied owing anything. (laughs) He said, no, no, no. Meb Shimon, your denial is meaningful when Reuven has no proof. But when Reuven has proof, then you can deny owing money from today until the cows come home. It makes no difference. As long as Reuven has proof, you owe the money. You can do this kicking and screaming, or you can acknowledge and say, yeah, I owe the money. It doesn't make a difference. So now, in our case, Reuven has come along and he has brought an exaggerated claim. Maybe. Schumann says it's exaggerated. Reuven says he owes me $500. That's in the contract. He owes me another $500. In total, the loan was $1,000. We would say to him, why don't you have a contract? He said, well, this loan was given Monday. And then he came back for more money on Thursday. And I was in a rush. He's my friend. I was doing him a favor. I never imagined that he would deny it. I know he knows everything was done contractually but previously. I didn't. I didn't think for a moment he needed the money. I did him a favor. Shimon says baloney. I don't know what he's talking about. I took a loan. Here's a contract. I owe what the contract says. Not a penny more. So the halacha says that in that case we don't have a meida b'miktas. Why? Because meida b'miktas is only effective if a if a denial would have been effective. And since in this case, denial would not have been effective, so then the admission is not really effective either. And as such, he's not obligated to make any kind of shavua, min ha However, as we learned a few days ago, a hesis, a rabbinic form of an oath, would be in order at this moment to be able to ensure that Shimon, in fact, is telling the truth. And he only owes $500, and he has no other indebtedness. Now, this mitzvah, very interestingly, the Sefer HaChinuch says, can only apply to males. Very interesting. Sefer HaChinuch says, but Chayovimbo, but cave, he says, women are not obligated, cannot be forced into this position. And it will sound a little bit strange to many of you, and maybe socially unacceptable to say something like this today. But the halacha says that a woman cannot be forced into a court position. She she has the right to send uh, uh, somebody, a, a, her husband, her brother, her father, a, a cousin. She could say, "I'm ashamed. I don't want to come in front of the court. The court's it's all men. It's a man's world. The court, and that's that's halacha. The Sanhedrin was only men, or the court was only men." She says, "I'm I'm I'm embarrassed. I don't feel comfortable standing in front of it, walking into a man's world. I feel I'm going to be taken advantage of." And for those of you who think that this is weird and strange, think about this. Think about in in the world where women were demoted and women were taken advantage of, and tragically many parts of the world are still treated like that. Woman had rights? Woman had leniencies? No, you know, in in those courts today, they'll just say she's obligated. Torah says no. Even if she made a partial admission, she will still not have to make an oath, and in this situation, a woman's position is much, much stronger, and she cannot be coerced, and there's no pressure that's allowed to be brought to bear. If whatever her complaint is, whatever way she responded, that's what we're going to have to accept. It's very interesting halacha. Um, it, it is, says it is does tell us, that this mitzvah applies in every place and at every time. Which means that even though today we don't have diniknosis, our courts do not function in the manner of the true Jewish judiciary, our ecclesiastical courts, are not criminal courts. And we can't even impose fines, as we learned a couple of uh, months back. Because it's not, not a defined amount of money. So when you have an actual damage, we said damages can be defined easily. But when you have a non-tangible, like somebody says, I was, I was, I was shamed or embarrassed. And not as effective at my workplace anymore because of this damage. It's very hard for us to be able to properly evaluate it, and therefore our courts do not have the ability to make such an evaluation anymore. Even though that's true, and even though our courts do not have the teeth they once were equipped with, and our courts have not functioned as criminal courts for over twenty centuries, nonetheless, nonetheless, this mitzvah, the mitzvah of shavua, still applies in a bet in a court the Ecclesiastic courts serve only a few functions today. The the, the courts for divorce, you need a Bezden, for Gairus, for for, um, conversion, on the rare occasion of a Chalitza. I refer you back to a couple of months ago what a Chalitza is. If If a woman is widowed but she doesn't have any children, it's called a Leverite marriage or at least we have to remove the Leverite connection so that she can go on to live a normal life. That, pro- that process is created with a bezden, with the court. And, and we have a, a, a dini People have a dispute. The proper thing, a pihalacha, is to go to a bezden. That's what observant Jews are supposed to be doing when they have a dispute. So when you have a situation where you go to the bezden and one would make a claim without proof and the other would make a partial admission, in that case, a shavuah would be administered. A bezden, listen to this. A bezdin who does not administer the oath. Maybe they have they cloak it in some kind of piety. Oh, we don't want to be involved in administering oaths. We will be the cause of somebody lying. We will be the cause of somebody saying an untruth, a blasphemy, using Hashem's name. A bezdin who has the ability to enforce this would have violated a mitzvah ase, a positive mitzvah in the Torah says seferachinuch. Furthermore. The says, This court has incurred a great deal of consequence and punishment from Hashem. Because the court's unwillingness to use whatever it has at its disposal, to try to get to the bottom of this dispute and try to resolve things in a legal and in a, in a, in a meaningful way, and the court doesn't want to get involved. So they are causing the world or civilization to be destroyed. She'ein ha'aret, says the Sefer for the land is not Mishyashavet, does not have a sense of enduring peace and serenity. Our civilization cannot function in a lawful and, and righteous manner, El unless you have courts of law. Law is not comfortable. Law is not nice. Law, law is not about feelings. Law is the black and white halacha. The poor man owes money to the rich man. That doesn't feel right. It is right. That's Din. That's judgment. And judgment is severe, but judgment is necessary. And without judgment, as it says in the end of the first parakeh, of Mishnah, of Mishnah, Ha'ilam Mishnah, there are three things through which the world can be sustained. We mean over here, civilization can be sustained. And one of them is din. Says so MS, and there's, 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 there's Shalom, and there's din. You need to have truth. It needs to be peace. But there also needs to be din. And din is rather harsh. If necessary, so what if the dyin says, "I don't want to be a bad guy. I'm going to impose an oath." Whatever, I, I can not get involved. I want to excuse myself, but in fact, the dyin had the ability, and he should have demanded an oath because that would make the partners, the the, the, the pardon me, the the, the, the the claimants, have to come up with the truth. They would be forced to be more honest. They would be forced to deal with their own situation more integrity, as we explained a couple of days ago. And he doesn't do this. Then in that case, he is. Stripping the world of its necessary justice, and that's why Anshe made. An interesting thing is, and I'll, I'll conclude this today, is that according to the Ramban, this actually applies to the Gentile world as well. We know that there are seven Noachide laws. We have six hundred and thirteen laws, but the seven Noachide laws, many of them include dozens, if not more, of the actual mitzvot. Only we have this teaching of Rabbi Chanan ben Akasha, who says, "Ratzak Adosh Hashem, Almighty God, wants to make Israel meritorious, because to make us meritorious, here He gave them lots of mitzvahs. What do you mean? He, he wants to make us meritorious? The mitzvahs are necessary. How does that, He just gave us mitzvahs just to make us meritorious? So the Pshat, the meaning is, He took a mitzvah, which could have been one mitzvah, and Hashem made it many mitzvahs. So, realistically speaking, you're doing the same thing. But because we have many mitzvahs, we are now becoming more meritorious. Where, if you, if you will, we're collecting more points. Because there's more mitzvahs over here. And Hashem wants us to be meritorious. So, for the Gentiles, there's a mitzvah that's called aroyas, for example. Inappropriate relationships. And it's not exactly the same as inappropriate relationships, uh, intimacy for Jews. Not exactly the same for Gentiles, but very, very similar. But for the seven Noah's there's only one mitzvah. Now, six of those mitzvahs are negative mitzvahs. The seventh law is a positive mitzvah. It's called dinim. Ramban says, these same halachas would apply also to the Gentile world as well. They would also ideally comport themselves in accordance with this. The Rambam does not seem uh, to follow this school of thought. In fact, the, the, the question that could be asked from those who defend the position of the Rambam is the idea of Shavua is uniquely endowed to the Jewish people. That's one of uh, the Aseret HaDibrat, one of the ten special mitzvahs that Hashem declared at Mount Sinai to us. And we can't expect somebody who is not Jewish to have that same kind of respect, the same kind of honor uh, uh, for, for, for a Shavuah as somebody who is a member of, of Klal Yisrael. So the, the notion that it would work is a little bit hard to understand. Interestingly, from a Jewish perspective, in order to make that a meaningful claim, it has to be, as I said, a Shavu Prutah, Talked about it yesterday. The idea that the, that the the one who's admitting, has to admit to owing a shavu pruta. But for Ben Noyach, it says A Even less than a shavu pruta would still make this uh, necessary. And it seems from the Ramban and others, maybe the shavu is not administered as the Jewish people would have a shavu. He wouldn't put a sefer torah in his hands. He wouldn't put a, a, a pair of teflon. But nonetheless, a gentile would make an oath. And the Gentile is a righteous person who's following the seven Noahide laws, who takes the name of Hashem and the honor of Hashem seriously. He's come to the court after all. That person would also be impelled to live with greater integrity and tell the truth as a result of a Shvu'ah. So it's even possible that this mitzvah applies not in its full sense as it applies for Am Yisrael. As I said, it could be Chiluk some different halachas, but it's even possible that the general principle ...of Mitzvah above the 246 Mitzvah that we're studying today... ...would be included in the seventh of the Noahide Laws... ...which is the concept of Dinim. And tomorrow we'll conclude, we'll make a Seymah on ...and we'll talk about how valuable it is to stick within the framework... ...the rubric of the actual justice system... ...and not to pervert this justice system... ...even when you have a good excuse... ...and even when you're technically, in the end, telling the truth... But if you're not following the system, you're abusing the system, that too would be prohibited. B'zat Hashem we'll talk about tomorrow. And with that, we'll conclude the laws of time veniten and move forward into Hilches Nachmas.